It is the most wonderful time of the year, ladies and gentlemen. This is Weighing In. I'm David Maricatani, Mark Ostrander, Grant Turner. We're brought to you by USA Wrestling, the national governing body for wrestling in the United States, and by Nike Wrestling. Go to athleteps.com for all of your Nike and USA Wrestling branded gear. I feel my energy coming up, fellas. I feel it. I've been stressed. I'm putting together Border Bros stuff, but brackets came out last night. If you have a significant other, they probably think you're doing bad things on your phone because 84 texts are coming in a minute on commentary on brackets, things like that. But it's awesome. Before we get to that, shout out NAIA, Grandview. Congratulations to GT, Nick, the crew. Congratulations, GT. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Um, amazing tournament. Lots of highlights, tons of amazing moments. A wild and crazy NAI national tournament. Multiple All American did not All American reigning or NAI national champion did not place. Stuff like that. It was a great tournament, though. Kid really, had, really cool. Your kid broke a kid's streak of like 90 something matches. And on the downside, you had a number one seed that semi slid to six. I mean, it's just a roller coaster for two days, right? It's, it's, it's absurd. And yeah, big shout out to uh, Boggy Boldma on his streak. Um, you know, it was the longest in NAI wrestling history. Um, um, unfortunately or fortunately, uh, it was snapped by the Grandview wrestler, uh, Shay Ruffridge in the semifinals, um, on a last second or last six seconds reversal, um, ex epic match between those two. Um, but you know, credit to Boldma on his amazing streak. Um, and then just pure class the entire time wrestled back got third yes just, I was just say, coming back and taking third a lot of you know we've all coached guys that if they lose they're done so yeah shout out to them women's NJ, women's njcaa indian hills national champions shout out to eliana bomarito she wrestled in border brawl multiple time fargo champ shout out to them the women's collegiate nationals north central congratulations to them NJCAA Nationals, Western Wyoming champions. Ladies and gentlemen, Grant Turner, who is not supposed to be the NJCAA historian of this show. Uh, correct. <laughs> See, this is the GT, this is the difference. You call us a bunch of Yahoos ahead of time, and I give you love, I give you your flowers on the air, but that's okay. Some of us, some of us just live on a higher plane. That's just how it is. <laughs> I mean, calling you guys Yahoos, it was also like this is coming from a place of uneducated you know wrestling <laughs> don't, knowledge don't and... walk it back don't just stay out there on <laughs> just stay out there on the wing just wait wait till tuesday when you got chained for reinforcements just do that okay hey, uh the the juco mind trust that you guys are we know a few things but you pointed out something that is very interesting west first of all shout out shout out to art castillo one of the really good guys in the sport doesn't get a ton of blue chip recruits, just gets those kids to wrestle super hard. They battle, they're, they fight. You know, I talked to a couple, I talked to Josh Roden last summer. You know, he'd left Clackamas, but he's like, man, those kids fight hard. Like, you got to bring your lunch pail. They win it, win it pretty easily, no champs. So maybe the first time ever in Juco history, Aaron Swayze, any of you guys that know Juco history better than Mark Ostrander and I, which I think is a few, maybe a few people, but. Mark, you can't think of a time that there's never been a champ, right, for a JUCO team? No, because it's always been kind of lopsided. Like uh, back in the day, Garden City, they'd have three or four champs, and they kind of won it re religiously. Uh, last in California for a few years, won it quite a few times. Uh, I know Clackamas has won it lately quite a bit, and you know they had guys that, that were champs. So I don't remember personally – uh, team that won it without any champs, but I mean, it could have happened. Uh, I just don't remember. It's not like, you know, Minnesota, we were talking about this earlier when they won D1s when it was in Iowa City. They had nobody in the finals. They were yeah. walking around, they'd already won it. And, you know, that that's nuts. So yeah. we always joke about that as a coach that if you had 10 guys take third and any is different as 12 guys, but probably you'd win it with that too. Cause it's 13 and a half points plus bonus. So if you have 12, say 10 thirds and D ones, that's 135. I mean, you'd have to be at 140 to 50. 
it'd be super disappointing because you're not wearing a suit on Saturday night. It would just, you probably would have an amazing Saturday afternoon though. You know, like knowing it was locked up. And for the fans out there that don't understand something, Grant Turner and his coach, the coaching staff at Grandview put 11 guys in the semis of the national tournament. That is just mind boggling. I, I mean, I still can't even wrap my head around how one program puts pretty much everybody on your team into the semis of a 60 some man bracket. It's just ungodly. It's just an amazing feat by what Grandview did this year. So yeah, for sure. 11 out of 40, 27 and a half percent. I had the abacus working there. So pretty impressive, right? Uh, Got to give also as the tournament was, and we go 11 in the semis and we put six in the finals. It was a very, I mean, once again, as you have 11 there, and when one of those matches was an upset of the NAI wrestling history, like yep. guy going for his fourth title, consecutive yep. streaks, in all respects, that's a match that maybe you don't count on as a coach. You're like, ah. No. Like, no. okay. Listen, but, you got love for your guys, but if you're setting odds, he's the underdog. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, exactly. If you're doing Vegas, the odds. Yeah. So also within that, we had six in the finals. Life had six in the finals. Once again, got to give flowers to the team that was head and shoulders above the rest of the field. Basically, yeah. it was a two-team race there at the end. And then, um, you know, once again, crazy. They had three champs. We had three champs. Yeah. So it's very, very cool to see. And once again, if you ever get a chance to, on conference Saturday, watch the NAI Wrestling Championships, it's always a great yeah. uh, showcase of wrestling. Omi Acosta, part of the uh... – Grandview coaching tree. I coached against him at junior college. He and I are buddies. We've we've done some work together at the Life U Open. Two years ago, GT Grandview was there. We all got to hang out. And it's uh, you know, I'm Switzerland now, right? You know, so it's different, but you guys are in the thick of it. But it's awesome, like watching you guys battle. And then Saturday night, everybody's eating chicken wings and having dinner together. And it's love, you know, it's it's real love. It's not like, you know, sort of just Instagram love. <laughs> you know, it's like People genuinely care about, you know, you want those guys to do as well as possible until they wrestle you. And that's how it should be. And they want the same for you. You right. know, so, and shout out to uh, Quentin Haynes. He's coaching there. He posted, he's moving on. I let him announce that, but great. He came through my program and then your program and then their program. One of the great uh, recruiting stories for me with him was from Willie Gadsden. And we'll save that for another day, but um. I loved Willie Gatson and, you know, so shout out to that. All right. Rankings versus brackets. I, we could start at 184, but I think let's just start at 125. And, uh, Mark, this is how I know it's crazy. Normally, when GT sends me stuff, it's on text message. When it's slightly escalated, it's on Twitter. When it's crazy, it's an IG message. <laughs> I was getting IG messages last night, <laughs> like red alerts. So, like. Hey, today may be one of the times that I get up on my soapbox, like Mark has done in the past, and just let the feelings out on this. Because I feel a certain way <laughs> about how some of these brackets have fell. Mark and I are ready. I think I speak for Mark. Oh, my God. We are ready. We are ready. So, all right, let's share screen. We will do this. Let us start with the brackets, okay? GT, no comments about how big the font is. This is for people watching at home on their screen, so no commentary. Uh, understood. Okay, not that it helps my eyes at all. All right, Spencer, we're going to just go by quarter brackets, and we – I'm going to lay it out and then give each of you guys like a couple minutes on each bracket because we, we got to get through 10 brackets in like five minutes. Spencer's the one, Barnett's the eight, Noto, who's 29 and two, but just hasn't wrestled anybody. Uh, like no signature wins is the is the eight. Joey Prada is his first round matchup. Caleb Smith was the biggest shock to me as the five. Killian Cardinal drops down to the 28. I believe they must know he's not going to wrestle. D'Agostino, who's an All-American, is the 12 and is 9 and 7. The Matt Ramos has Stanford and then the Peterson Trombley winner to get to the quarters. 
he looks like he has a fairly good path. Liam Cronin, really good year. He's the three. Braxton Brown, certain in the next round. Patrick McKee is the 11. He'll wrestle Steve O'Poolin if the seeds hold. And then I looked at this. He would have Cronin, who he struggled with. And then if the seeds held on the back, he would have Barnett in the blood round. Brandon Kaler is the seven. Brandon Courtney is the 10. They just wrestled two weeks ago. Kaler won in overtime. Brett Unger is the 15. He has Ryan Miller, who I'm sure they've wrestled in the IWA. Pat Glory's the two, starts out with Reese Whitcraft. If you go to the seeds, Caleb Smith was a 12. Okay. Steve O'Poolin was an 11. Those are probably the biggest. Let's see if we got trends here. All right. So, Marco, start us off. 125 thoughts and prayers. Well, I, th I think they got the top four correct, and that's kind of a big thing for the NCAA. Uh, it's <laughs> rare that they even get the top four correct, uh, in my opinion. But that I don't really have a problem with. I, I still think it's probably – Really heavy favor to seeing uh, Spencer Lee and Patrick Glory in the finals. So, I mean, that's just kind of the way it looks like to me. I didn't see anything that stood out like, how in the heck did they do that in this weight? Um, you you're know, not. You're not surprised. Caleb Smith is the five. I, you know, he's got only two losses, David, and he's I don't think six and five. Oh, I'm, oh 26 and five. Yeah, I I haven't looked into it that close on every specific person. I just think there's a lot of good guys. I think the Big Ten actually being such a strong conference hurts itself because guys are losing to each other. Uh, you know, for a perfect example is McKee and Barnett. You never know what's going to happen when those two wrestle. It's like they take turns. Hey, I won last time. It's your turn. You know, that's kind of the way that match goes. So it's kind of really hard to put people in. in I, don't, I don't know if that hurt anybody having him at five, David, to be honest with you. Well, here um, are his losses. Jake Ferry, Kent State, Tanner Jordan, South Dakota State, Malik Heinzelman, Ohio State, who was hurt, uh, Trevor Master Giovanni, who can't make weight anymore, and Steve O'Poolin. Now, he came back and beat Poolin. He's beaten Tremblay. He's beaten Ventresca, but he's beaten no one in the top 10 and has several non-top 30 losses. To me, that was shocking, like absolutely shocking that he's the five. So, and Cardinal 28, they must know his knee. I've heard all kinds of knee things. GT, initial reactions here. Well, I mean, to Mark's point, I think, I think that there is a – and this must be a formula thing that we may see later is maybe the weight of, you know, having Steve-O pulling as the big 12 champion, getting a bump, maybe not so much on the way basically of, you know, his, his whole season type situation. We're like, Hey, okay. Big 12 champ maybe gets a little bit more weight. Yeah. But you have, you have somebody like, and once again, this is where I'm going to go off the rails here is, Diagostino from Northwestern as the 12. Like, right. he beat Matt Ramos in the quarterfinals 9-1 to one at the Big Big Ten Championships. But then medically forfeited for third and fourth to him. He also beat Eric Barnett at the Big Ten Championships 3-2 to two in the Constellation Semifinals. Yeah, he's a bad draw for somebody. And to... Here's Poulin's losses. He lost to Caleb Smith. He also beat Caleb Smith. He lost to Ramos. He lost to Nick Provo. He lost to Yori Volk. And he lost to Case Mauger. Now, again, all these are off WrestleStat, so if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I don't think I'm wrong because this is like a really good website in terms of data. So he, that's like – I mean, I think we all know Steve-O from the Little Kid videos with the Mohawk and everything else. But it's shocking, and I think, like, we'll get in – I don't think we're going to have time to get in the picks. We'll do picks next week when we're all in Tulsa. So, and that we'll do that podcast on Wednesday. We'll have to do it on Wednesday, boys, just a reminder. So, yeah, but do you think uh, 
D'Augustino being nine and seven, you know, they look at that number and say, we can't put him in the top six. Not at nine and seven. No, he seven have to be six. He could be eight, nine, or ten, right? Well, I mean, the 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 thing that I I question about that is like, okay, and once again, I don't have the wrestling stats data mm -hmm. up on specifically him. I just I just thought that was some glaring one in this bracket that I wanted to like basically mention. No, it's and it's it's real, right? I mean, if you look at whatever it is, number one, Spencer Lee, number three, Cronin. Like there's there's losses to be had there, right? So how many they probably lost in the duel, probably lost it, yes. you know, big tens. All of a sudden you have two losses to Cronin, one in the duel, one in the championships. Then you lose to Spencer Lee, they're automatically three losses. There's other guys that are, I mean, once again, the weight class is loaded within the Big Ten. Matt Ramos, you know, Eric Barnett. And once again, everybody deserves their flowers, but I'm like, if it's weighted on the conference championships, this guy just got fourth in the Big Tens. Now he's the 12 seed at the national tournament placed behind two guys that he's beat previously at that tournament a week ago. Yeah. So it was just more of a observation rather than like actual nitty gritty details in a seating meeting on why this occurred. I just thought it was a glaring one that I'm like, Oh, that's a head scratcher. Even at nine and seven. I wonder though, Grant, and I like your observation there, but I wonder if they put Diagostino, Diagostino at 12, and look who he's going to wrestle. You know, he's, yeah. he's going to wrestle that quad right there of guys that you don't think probably should be ranked as high as they are. You know, he's going to get uh, somebody like um, oh, Caleb, he Caleb Smith. Yeah, he's going to get Caleb Smith in the quarters. Are you going to be no, shocked? No, 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 round of 16. Around of 16. Are you going to be shocked if he gets him? <laughs> Not necessarily, but once again, if we're going to be putting names to numbers, which this is why the brackets are the way that they are, not just like, hey, you're going to get into this quad. Right. I, I don't know. It's just something to, once again, for the people to basically digest, it's like, okay, well, then Patrick McKee, McKee is the 11th seed. Once again, also has a lot of losses. Right. You know, also has some pretty good wins on the season. Yep. Now, once again, it's just it's just something to observe, but, you know, in the in, in he's in that same – kind of quad situation where he's going up against the big 12 champion and Steve-O. Um, so, I mean, we're going to find out really soon within if they both win against the Harvard wrestler and Virginia tech. So a couple things to point out here. Number one, last year's not supposed to count, but it absolutely counts because where you start, there's inertia. Like if you win, like if Grant starts ranked above me and he wins three to two and I win nine to zero, even if against the same guy, whatever criteria that had him above me, we're going to probably keep him there. Okay, number two is theoretically in the formula, nothing. there's nothing bad about losing. Okay, there's nothing bad about losing. Number three is quality losses or quality wins, rather, are weighted. Number four is the coach's poll, man, it means so much in all of this. So – I'm actually shocked because it feels like the Big Ten didn't get love and the SOCON did, and that's generally not the rule. Okay, 33. So as I'm scrolling, does it scroll on the screen, boys, or is that can you yeah. see it okay? Yep, yep. RBY is one. Bisco and Heilman are 16-17. Mickey Phillippe takes a tumble. He has Teske first round. Aaron Nagao over and Wyatt Henson. So Nagao, Philippi, potential round of 16. Nagao, RBY rematch. If anybody saw that match, RBY won the match, but he picked neutral. Nagao picked top, and Nagao rode him for two minutes and tried to basically choke the crap out of him. Kyarini, one of our one of us picked him as a preseason All-American non-top 12 or top eight. Jumps to the five after winning the ACC. He'll have, if the seeds hold Ragason in the round of 16, Chris Cannon. So these Northwestern guys did not get great seeds, but they've done it at nationals is the 13. He gets Michael McGee, who is not 20 and 10. He is 20 and two. And that's absolutely terrible that for the nationals, they don't have this printed right. And I know it sort of doesn't matter because he got seated correctly based on two losses and not 10, but that's not great. Vito is the three Mendez falls to the 14. They wrestled at that late duel, so they know each other. 
Connor McGonigal got an at-large. He's the 11. Sam Latona is the 6. Connor Brown is banged up. Kolioko is the 7. Lucas Bird fell to the 10. He's a guy that you kind of think can place based on his history. Dayton Fix is the 2. If the seeds hold, he'd have Redding and then Kolioko. GT, go ahead. Okay, so once again, to Mark's point earlier, I, I, I do think that like the, the spread of talent in your traditional, like whatever it is, top 10 athletes, I think got spread out enough to like warrant like, hey, okay, we got this bracket pretty well spread out. Because I think that the heavy hitters are far enough away from each other and nothing happened at conference to, you know, basically set that on fire. Um, I definitely think that the top four are should and have basically keep top four. And then I think, you know, once again, getting a little bit of that love to you know, the ACC champ, you know, Latona in there. Um, you know, I think. He didn't win it. Kyarini won it. Yeah. No, I'm just saying like the ACC champ, Kyarini, and then Latona going five, six, like gave some weight to how they finished their basically regular season. Um, yeah. I mean, first glance, I think this one was probably the most normal of. Yeah of the brackets that we'll basically go into, but I mean, I don't really have any issues with how this basically played out. Yeah. Marco. Yeah. I mean, I like the way the tournament, you know, cause I'm, I'm putting fantasy grade contest in my head too, when I'm looking at these, obviously, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I like some of the guys that are in here. Uh, you know, I like the 14 for uh, Mendez. I think he's in a good spot. I think that's probably right around where he should be. I like Bird at 10. I think he'll be an All-American. So, you know, there's just things I like about the bracket. Um, And I think, you know, overall, I don't think they did a bad job at 120 or 133. I agree with Grant. I agree with both you guys. The one thing I would say to add to this is, for me, the cutoff on All-Americans that would surprise me is Mendez. Anybody Mendez on up? Wouldn't shock me. So I think there's like 14 guys fighting for eight spots. And realistically, I think the top four, even they're within different tiers, but the top four is tier one. And so I think then essentially you got 10 guys fighting for four spots. But if Zach Redding on down placed, I I would be surprised. Doesn't mean it can't happen, but it would be surprising to me. And when I looked at the fantasy grade rankings, Nothing's really out of line here. So, all right, 41. So this happened. This happened what we thought would happen. Real Woods got the one. Mark and I talked about this off the air. We thought about quality wins and things like that. So he gets the one. Coder Hans is 16 versus Demilio. Moses Schwartz, who did not have the best, he defaulted out to six as the nine. He wrestles at the seat. He wrestles Swiderski first, and then Alan Hart. Kevin Dresser had a great, great quote about Swiderski saying he's got more emotions than a fifteen-year-old girl, which, if any of us have coached, had to make you chuckle. Uh, Ryan Jacks the five. Parker Phileas is the twelve. Carter Young, who's banged up, is the thirteen. He gets Berglund. Brock Hardy is the four. Cole Matthews is the three. Kale Happel is the fourteen. Clay Carlson is the eleven. Bo Bartlett is the six with two losses. Vince Cornella, who I've been pretty high on all year, got a great seed. He's the seven. Lachlan McNeil uh, from UNC, who's wrestled internationally for Canada, is the 10. Tom Crook is the 15. Andrew Alirez is the two. Think, Mark, it's your turn to go. F- Actually, I think it's my turn to go first. So, Real Woods, we thought that would be safe. I don't know if anybody's beaten real woods to the finals but brock hardy has wrestled him close alan hart's an interesting matchup because alan hart doesn't shoot a lot and real woods doesn't shoot a lot and alan hart is pretty good on top and bottom and i think the formula if you're gonna beat real woods is to get away or else get two takedowns and pick neutral ryan jack brock hardy would be a very interesting quarter if the seeds hold Cole Matthews looks like a pretty manageable path to the semis. 
well, to the quarters. And then him and Bartlett, very interesting contrast in style. Cornella McNeil, if those seeds held, is a really good young matchup. And Alirez has truly impressed me how much he's jumped this year. I coached against him a couple years ago. I know GTU were there down in uh, Raleigh at the wor- like the age group world trials, and he was an absolute buzzsaw. Um, it kind of felt like he leveled off a little bit. Now he's back to jumping levels. So, Mark, I think you're first here. Well, you were first. You already went through it. So, oh, but have you got? Um, yeah, well, I, I think the seeds were pretty accurate. Uh, I don't think it really matters between one and two, to be honest with you. They're separated. That's what needed to happen. Cole being a returning, you know, national, the highest place winner from last year is at the three seed. It wouldn't have surprised me to see Hardy at three. But Hardy losing to the Arizona State uh, true freshman probably hurt his chances. Of, conference, you know, going- conference champ and winning percentage, Matthews over Hardy. Yeah, that's yeah. So I mean, I like the bracket. Uh, I would say if I had to look at anybody's quarters, uh, probably Real Woods got the toughest part of it because there's some really good kids in that top, you know, area. So you know, Schwartz has been on fire for a good part of the year. You know, we already saw him wrestle Swiderski in the duel, and that was a one point match. And like you said, Alan Hart's you know, dangerous. So I, I think his top part of the bracket is really good. So, you know, uh, yeah, that's just kind of what I see on paper. I don't see, you know, him not getting into the semis, to be honest with you, but I think he's going to have to wrestle really well to get there. GT. Yeah. I mean, I think after watching kind of the big tens really closely, you know, I think that, you know, you know, the, the Brock Hardy, Ryan Jack match is something that as far as a quarterfinal, if that, you know, basically seeds hold true and I get to see a four or five matchup, I'm very excited about that potential yeah. match. Um, I really like where Cole Matthews is too um, in the bracket. You know, I think when he goes up against, once again, another quarterfinal with him and Bo Bartlett, you know, that's a really, really good match. Um, once again, pretty Pretty, uh, pretty spread out talent wise. I think again for the brackets, um, you know, I just I don't know. Yep. I think that there's some other uh, really good um, some talent in there in the kind of the mid range numbers between the twelve and like eighteens. Um, you know, that just you know could pop through, right? Um, just good, good, decent seasons, good upsets, good matches. Nothing too egregious. Yeah, kid, you know, Kel Happel from you and I, David, you know, before the Big 12 tournament, I really thought he might win the Big 12s. He had beaten some really good kids this year. He had a phenomenal year and laid an egg at the Big 12s. I don't know if he was hurt, if it was a bad weight cut. I don't know, but he's a dangerous kid. He's He can wrestle. You you thought he was going to beat Alirez? I thought he could go with Alirez. Okay. He's beaten some really good kids this year. Just ask, just making sure. I think the most interesting thing in this way is that Jake Berglund was a returning All-American and is now the 20. And what's really crazy is Minnesota's had some guys really come out of the woodwork and wrestle well, but at 41 and 57, those guys have gone in the complete opposite direction. So, all right, 49. Yanni D is the one. Real Budo Arrington is the 16-17. John John Miller is the nine. Max Muren is the eight. That's a very interesting matchup of styles in your round of 16. My adopted son, Panero Johnson, is the five. He wrestles Doug Zaff, who's popped up on a bunch of people's losses. He's the 12, if the seeds hold. Uh, Shane Van Ness is the 13. Caleb Henson, I think, has been very quiet this year. He had the Sasso win, and that really helped him. He gets the four. Kyle Parco is the three. The match with Brock Muller that he won in overtime was gigantic for seeding in this tournament. Uh, Kellen March is the 14. Michael Block is fresh off a Big Ten. Final appearance is the 11. He gets Brock Muller, who's the 6. Yaya is the 7. Jaden Abbas is the 10. Austin Gomez is the 15. Sammy Sasso is the 2. There's a lot of storylines here. I think, Mark, you're first. Who's first? It's not me. One of you guys go. Yeah, I think second round 
you're going to have some really, really good matchups. And usually <laughs> at the national tournament, second round isn't – I mean, it's a good round, but it's not a great, great round. This year it seems like there's going to be a lot of really good matches in that second round because I think the kids are just that much better wrestlers these days. So uh, can Gomez get healthy enough to compete? I don't know. Um, if he does, Sammy's not going to be real happy. That's a tough draw for second round match. Somebody that's beaten well, he him lost this year. To him. Yeah, he lost him in the all-star meet, which doesn't count. But I mean, if you're the two seed and you have two losses all year and, and then you get one of the guys, it doesn't count as one of your two losses, but you get a guy you lost to. That's awful. Right, Mark? Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. what, you know, I think, uh, I think you can go up and down the lineup here on really good second round matches. So, um, you know, I kind of partial to Max Muir, but you know, he's going to have, you know, Milner, Milner. Yeah. Milner yeah. second round who he lost to eight to one last year at the national tournament. That's a tough kid for him to wrestle because he's long, lanky, uh, very quick, hard to score on, hard to finish on that. You know, that's a tough, tough one from him. So, um, I really like though, David, your adopted son, Panero Johnson, being at the number five seed, I think he's good enough to get out to the semis from that spot. I really do. Yeah, I'll give my GT. Go ahead. <sighs> okay. So, <laughs> see, I'm looking at the brackets. So I'm not looking at your guys' faces. So, <laughs> are you going to make a stand here, Grant? Is this is this it? This this is one of them. Okay. This is this is one of the ones that I just feel like. Like, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand some of the the matchups and, like, how they came to this conclusion, like, at all. So where I'm going to get on my soapbox here a little bit is, like, at some point in time through this podcast and the year, Jonathan Milner was should have been ranked number one in the nation. At some point in time, we thought, as a group, that Panero Johnson, based off of our criteria, could have been ranked number one in the nation. Should have been. Should have should been. Have, should have been, right? <laughs> okay. Then we have, once again, in this little area right here, this this five and four quad, you know, we have another freshman in Sh Shane Van Ness who is shown to be very, very, very capable in the country that is the 13th best guy. We've, we have Doug Zaff, who is been a freestyle All-American and is a very, very, very talented wrestler in this particular quad. We have a world champion, Jared McLaren, in that quad, who has also been going to school for seven to eight years. <laughs> He's a provost. He's I a provost. It out. He's 100%. a provost. Yeah. I, I just don't understand, like, how we can get so much talent into such a small quad between an eighth year senior and a just a multitude of talented freshmen. Caleb Henson, Shane Van Ness, Panero Johnson, all monsters. So just people who are not familiar with the, the work of Doug Zaff, he beat Kyle Parker with the journeyman. Now it was an injury win, but it's four minutes and 40 seconds in. I don't know the score, but it counts. He lost the Milner. He beat Caleb Henson in overtime. He lost to Max Murin in overtime. Lost to Gomez. He's beaten Verclaren. He lost three to two to Yaya. Beat Jaden Abbas. Lost eight three to Yanni. So he's the worst kind of guy to rank, just so people know this. The other thing that when I went through like three or four points at 125, here's the other thing. Here's how this is supposed to work. Like, if Grant is Spencer Lee, when you lose to Spencer Lee, that's not supposed to hurt you because everyone has lost to him. So, like, and if there's an assumption is even if I didn't wrestle him, I probably would have lost to him too. So, like, you know, there's nothing in my body of work that's that different from Grant's. Like, if we're trying to decide, and they're like, well, Grant has one more loss. Like, it's Spencer Lee. That doesn't count. Now, Correct. some of this stuff was fairly linear, okay? Like... <laughs> I mean, the head-to-heads were, you know, Pinero beat split with Mahler, but won the second one. Uh, the again, the Mahler 
Parco match is huge for seeding. Okay. I don't know that Parco at the three, I feel like it's pretty manageable to the quarters, but when you get a guy you've wrestled in overtime, you know, although I don't know who else he would wrestle that's better. I mean, Yaya's an overtime kind of match. You know, I think Caleb Henson's a wild card. And people forget this, but Pinero took Yanni to overtime. So, like, listen, no one's betting against Yanni. Like, I don't think. You know, and even money, nobody's betting against Yanni. Okay, no. there's always odds that make sense, but this is going to be a fact. Caleb Henson's really good, true freshman. I think, Mark, you and I interviewed him at the event at Nationals last year in Michigan. So yeah. I think he was in that event. So, you know, he's grown up quickly. I mean, everybody knew he was good. So this is a fascinating bracket. All right. 157. AOC, the real AOC, is number one. JQ's Art Alone is your 16-17. Shout out to my guy Vinny Zurbin for getting a wild card. Will Luan, he will one point you to death, is the nine. Ed Scott, who hates one-point matches, is the eight. Josh Humphrey, undefeated, not saying this is right or wrong, is the five. Kendall Coleman, who I think won Vegas, is the 12. Chumbley's the 13. Frannick, 22 and 1, is four. Peyton Robb is the, the three. Mark's adopted son, Kobe Seabrick, is the 14. Saldati is the 11. Daniel Cardenas might have the quietest 17 and 1 I've seen this year because I didn't even know he was 17 and 1. Or maybe he's 17 and 10, and they just assigned his losses to Michael McGee. Uh, Bryce Andonian is the seven. Caden Gefeller is the 10. Jacob Wright is the 15. Levi Haynes is the two. Now, a couple of things are pretty linear here. Levi Haynes beat Peyton Robb. Peyton Robb beat Jared Frannick in the first meet of the year. So if you're saying, how did you sort out the three one loss guys? That's how that happened. Um, I do think it's interesting. Josh Humphreys came in underneath all of them. GT, the floor is yours. Oof. Okay. Now this is this is one that I. Come on, man, spit it out. Hey, <laughs> undefeated on the year. Undefeated, undefeated. on the year. Yep. Josh Humphreys, number five in the country. Don't agree. Flat out, okay. just don't agree with it. Uh, Jared Frannick, twenty-two and one. I think he's probably right where he should be. Well, yeah. I mean, actually down a slot if you put Humphreys, you know, above him, right? Well, and I'm, I'm just saying that, like, okay, so he wrestles his schedule. He doesn't run from anybody. He does what he's supposed to do, 16-0, and 0, and other guys have losses. You know, I, I mean, maybe Frannick goes to five, Peyton Robb goes to four. So just so people know this real quick, just to make your point, Josh Humphrey, here's his wrestle stat. He beat Gefeller 7-6. He beat Ed Scott 12-7. And he beat Art Alona 6-4. Those are his top 30-something wins. So where he must have lost ground is a number of quality wins and RPI because he wins on winning percentage and he wins on conference champion doesn't win he ties those guys on conference champion go ahead yeah all right well, i think it's it's part of it's part of this like you know oh still still there okay sorry I had to... yeah 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 so on the bottom side i think i don't know once again talented freshmen are getting i think a very very high seed because i think they deserve it i'm not suggesting that there should be anything that limits somebody that has not had any previous accolades going into the tournament. So once again, I just want to put that out as a disclaimer. There's a lot of very, very high seated freshmen at this tournament. Yeah. I mean, extremely high seated freshmen. And it's like, I feel that they're getting the benefit of the doubt for maybe like, maybe not extra baggage. And I don't even know if that's part of the, the ranking system or like quality of losses or, or wrestling tougher competition. I don't know what it is, but I just feel like there's a uh, there's a a lot more of these freshmen that are ranked in the top five at this tournament than I've seen in a very long time. 
GT, the extra baggage thing is your dating system, not how they see the NCAA tournament, okay? It's a different formula, okay? The it, crazy it, hot curve. Okay, well, so it, you know, and what, which will then lead me into <laughs> rain, like one, Mark, um, Mark trying not to lose it. <laughs> uh, well, which will get me to 165, where like Shane Griffith what? with three losses on the year, one which was bad, which I'll get to at that point in time because 65 is more my head is going to explode. All right, let's let so, G, let's let Mark get in here. 57, go ahead. All right, listen, Grant. <laughs> I kind of agree with the, the young man from Lehigh. Uh, he showed up at Penn State to wrestle Levi Haynes, and they didn't put him on the map. They put Bear Claw out there. So he was there to face one of the better kids in the country. I could see him being the number two seed. Uh, I really could. and I would not have had a problem with that. But I also can understand why Levi Haynes is the number two, because he beat the previous number one ranked kid in the finals of the Big Ten tournament. So I think they got into a position where you have a returning national champ is now the number one seed, hasn't lost anybody. You had the number one, the kid that was ranked number one all year got beat in the Big Tens. And then you have the guy that beat him in the Big Ten finals who only has one loss. I, I, I can see why they did what they did because – they gave credit to that Big Ten win because that was a big win over the number one ranked kid. You're not going to move the number one ranked kid, you know, much further because he's beaten everybody he's wrestled this year. Yeah. Maybe that's why he's at five. I mean, I could definitely see him being at four, but it's not going to make a difference. Four and five are, four the and same. Five are not going to make a difference. They're going to still wrestle each other. So I understand that doesn't look on paper. But quality of wins, I just don't think Lehigh has, you know, he might have had the quality of wins if Penn State would have wrestled their starter at 57. So just a couple things to point out there. Number one is that that there were some controversial calls in that. I had two things. I forgot one. There's there's definitely a controversial call in that. Oh, I remember the controversial call 157 in the finals, whether or not Hardy had a takedown on the edge. And then the other thing is, Frannick lost to Brock Hardy in the very first duel of the year with North with North Dakota State actually beat Nebraska. He would have been the two, I would guess, if he had won that match. Yes. So, anyway, all right. David Carr is the one. Ogunsanya is the 16. Shane Griffith is the nine and wrestles Ogun again, which is the eight. Quincy Monday is the five. Uh, Izzy Olenek's the 12, Facundo 13, Julian Ramirez after two wins over Monday is the four. That's interesting. They would hit in the quarters. Dean Hamidi is the three. If you like offensive wrestling, you must be a fan of his. Peyton Hall's the 14. Cam Amin is the 11. Patrick Kennedy is the six. They're certainly familiar with each other. Caliendo is the seven. Carson Karchla is the 10. Justin McCoy is the 15. Keegan O'Toole is the two. I think it's my – I think, like, I'm the third, so every third way. I'll go first. I love Keegan O'Toole's draw. I mean, Carson Karchel wrestled him really tough, but I think he's been banged up all year. Feels like he has a very, very manageable draw literally to the finals because he wrestled Hamidi in the All-Star meet and pretty much smoked him. Kennedy Amin in the round of 16 is interesting to me. Uh, Ramirez, Quincy Monday, if the seeds held in the quarters, is absolutely fascinating. Shane Griffith, Olgan, or Olgan, or however you say his name, I, I feel like I just trust Shane Griffith at Nationals. I think he wins that match. And then if that holds Shane Griffith, David Carr, I think David Carr is on a different level, but cannot be happy for David Carr that you get a guy who's taken first and second at Nationals in the quarterfinals. GT. Before your head explodes, go ahead. I mean, I just I feel like the talent once again I think is spread out. So I'm not upset about like where everything else is. And once again, the showcase of you know kind of the top four guys in top five or even top six are are spread out. I think evenly enough to like make sure that those seeds like were correct. I think that you know once again Shane Griffith with his loss of the gentleman from Oregon state, like basically 
basically kind of screwed him out of being on the bottom half of the bracket. Because I think that Shane Griffith probably should have been either the six or the seven if he would have not lost that match. Um, and once again, you know, NCAA champion still in the bracket. Like, you know, I think he carries a lot of weight because he is yeah. that good. And once again, only three losses on the season, all of which have been extremely close. But, Along with 15 of his wins, yeah. <laughs> right. He's turned into Willow on this year, yeah. Uh, very similar, like, you know, once again, if you've watched other guys that are, like, chiseling granite, it's it's tough matches, like, three to two, five to two, five, four, six, three, you yeah. know, close matches all the time. Once again, there's nothing wrong with that wrestling style, but once again, you if you live and die by having that close of a match, like, then you're going to wind up getting these type of seats. Yeah. Which I think if the eye test, which we don't have, and which not as part of my dating scene, or the the weight of really? the really whoa 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 the eye test is not part of it. It it is more in my non podcast related experience, but at the <laughs> tournament, Shane Griffith is a dog. Like that guy can wrestle. Like yeah, he's an eight nine seed, and you're getting a basically a Pac twelve final as an eight nine. Yeah. So you know I think that there's once again, weighted conference championships, weighted whatever it is. I just th feel like a couple of losses here and there really determined how this bracket basically fell with Ramirez and Monday, Griffith losing at the Pac-12s, because if he would have won that, I think that he would have been on the bottom, which would have been, yeah. been a better scenario for himself. And also, we got to see like maybe an O'Toole-Griffith rematch. You know, that'd be cool. to yeah. Very, very fun to watch. Marco. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. I think the losses that he took the last why they wrestled the week before the conference tournament, I still don't figure that one out, but uh that's their scheduling. Um you know the kid I, I don't know, I, I struggle with this a little bit too. Uh Oregon State kid had six losses on the year. A few of them weren't very good. Uh, but it was earlier in the year, so he's wrestled a lot better since then. And I don't think they take that into effect. It's not supposed to count. I know, but I don't think they they take yeah. that into effect. That he's, it's what you're doing now. To me, I think that's a big part of it, and they're not doing it uh, very well. I could definitely see the problem was here, Grant, is that you can't rank, you can't put Griffith ahead of him. He's lost to him two times in a row. No, and how sure. high can he go? You know, I don't think he's had the season like somebody at the number six seed for Iowa Kennedy got. His only losses are to David Carr and two to Hamidi from Wisconsin, who's had a really good Big Ten tournament. You know, it's really hard to figure out where to put these guys. I think he was probably put where he needs to be, where he deserved to be. Um, but I think he's better than that. But he so just and for the sake of time. Ogan lost to the Army guy, who's not even ranked five to one. But then he ripped off. He won the Roadrunner Open, only lost one match at the Cliff Keen, which was to Ogan Sanya. But then he had a four-match losing streak where he lost to Ogan Sanya, Facundo, David Carr, Julian Ramirez. Now, again, two of those losses don't hurt you. The other two do. He lost to Quincy Monday in overtime. I think the other thing just to look at here is we move to seventy-four. Is Quincy Monday is twenty something and zero against the twenty two and zero, and zero and two against Julian Ramirez. So the two he's lost to Ramirez and he's lost to David Carr, and they're both on his side of the bracket. Yep. So that's not awesome if you're Quincy Monday. One seventy four. Carter Sirachi's the one. Washington Wolf sixteen seventeen. Edmund Ruth nine. Bailey O'Reilly eight. Ruth has lost to Bailey O'Reilly twice. Plot gets a huge bump for winning the Big Twelve. Goes to the five. Aaron almost at the 12. K. DeVos is the 13. Chris Foca, who's a really sneaky 24 and 1 with his only loss on a ride out to Starachi, is the 4. Makai, whose only loss is the Labs, is the 3. Pasuic is the 14. Nelson Brands is the 11. Ethan Smith is the 6. Those guys know each other. Peyton Mako drops a couple spots. He probably would have been the 5 had he won the big 12s. He's the seven. Rocky Jordan, the Ohio State transfer to chat, is the 10. Demetrius Romero, another provost, is the 15. Mikey Labs, whose only loss is Starachi, is the two. I'll just set this real quick. Starachi beat Labs. Labs beat Makai. 
Starachi beat Foca. I think there's actually an argument for Foca to be higher. He wrestled in the duel versus VTech and Makai didn't. Uh, Mark, go ahead. Yeah, just just to clarify, David, uh, that was last. That was a year ago that he wrestled against Sirachi Foca and lost on writing time. Uh, you sure? This, yeah, this year he lost to uh, Makai Lewis at the uh, Vegas tournament. Okay, my fault. Go so ahead. that's that's kind of why he's at four and uh, Lewis is at three. I think they seated this about as good as you can see to weight. Um, the only one I struggle with here, and David, you're not going to like this, is Dustin Plotz being. No, no, I, I agree. He's too high. I, I think I think he should have been closer to seven or eight in the seeds. Um, but the problem with him being lower is is Mako is sort of his cushion. Like he's got to stay above Mako. And Mako's two to- out of three. Well, he won the Big 12s, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he beat him two out of three. He won the last one in a conference final. Yep. So, like, that's what really matters. But, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but I, I mean, besides that, I really thought the weight kind of turned out the way I thought it would be. I think your top four kind of stand out by themselves, and then everybody yeah. else, anything can happen there. GT, any anything you want to put in the suggestion box? Nothing on this one, really. Okay, we'll keep it moving. Yep. One eighty-four. Um, a young man who needs to get his shoes changed. Parker Keckheisen is the one. Heller's the sixteen. Samuelson's the seventeen. Salazar, who's had some good wins this year, is the nine. Fine Silver's the eight. Marcus Coleman, the only person to beat Aaron Brooks this year, is the five. Abasad is the twelve. That was a late one takedown match in the duel. Lenny Pinto is the 13. Trey Munoz with only one loss is the four. Aaron Brooks is the three. So let me just put do a public service announcement here. If you are in a fantasy contest and it is based on seeds and not rankings, it is no longer 10 against 10. It is now nine against nine. Because if somebody doesn't take Aaron Brooks as the three seed, they should not be in the contest. All right, keeping it moving. Feldkamp is the 14, Gavin Kane is the 11, Caleb Romero is the 6, Hunter Bullen is the 7, Travis Whitlake is the 10, Malchuski is the 15, Heidley is the 2. GT, I think you want to lose your mind here, so I'm just, I don't know if it's your turn to go first, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how you can, I mean, and once again, kudos to Marcus Coleman in, in that match. All right, he's frozen. Go ahead, Mark. Uh, I think, David, actually, to be honest with you, I I know Penn State's the best kid in the country. I mean, I don't think many people disagree with that. But I understand why they seeded it the way they did. You do? Yes, the all-star meet doesn't count. Kekheisen beat Coleman. Coleman beat. Brooks. Who? Brooks. Brooks. So it, it's going to – and then Heidley beat Kekheisen once and lost once. That's the only reason it's seated the way it is. They stuck to their guns. The uh, all-star meet did not count. And that's exactly why it's seated like this. It's a goofy – yeah, because we everybody in the world knows Brooks is the best kid at 184. But the seeding – the criteria is what it is. So you kind of got to go with the way it is. Is it going to oh, hurt Brooks? That's no. actually an interesting point. So Keck Heisen has a common opponent over Brooks, and he has head-to-head over Heidelin that he won the second one. And anybody has been a coach's meeting, if you beat me and I beat you, whoever wins the second one has the criteria. Yes. So maybe they didn't get it wrong, but it's certainly surprising, right? Yes. Okay, maybe not surprising if you're like a guy like you, but to the general public, pretty surprising. Okay, GT's having computer issues, so um, he'll log back in if he can. I think Aaron Brooks got a really nice path to Hydeley. I mean, like. Doesn't um, matter where he's at. He's going to have a good path no matter where. He's just that good, David. Yeah, yeah. Munoz Coleman's an interesting quarter, so 
All right, 197. So this is a weight that we knew would be chaos. The this only thing we knew for sure is Bonacorsi was going to get the one, okay? Yeah. Which he did. So we'll just go from top to bottom. Amos Pence, 17-16. Max Dean, your defending national champion, gets the nine. And his reward for that is he gets Silas Allred, who's the eight, who just beat him in the Big Ten Finals. Michael Beard is the five. Zach Bronigal is the 12. Younger Bastida, who is a really interesting 13. Uh, Ethan Laird is the four. Rocky Elam is the three. Jacob Warner, who he wrestled in the All-Star Meet, is the 14. Jackson Smith, who wrestled really well at Big Tens, is the 11. Isaac Trumbull, the ACC runner-up, is the six. Tanner Sloan, the one seed in the Big 12, who took second, is the seven. Jacob Cardenas, who upset Beard at the EIWAs, is the 10. Serber, who has the only win over Elam, is the 15. Bernie Truax is the two. Mark, go ahead. This is nuts. I mean, this is absolutely the goofiest thing I've seen in a long time. Nuts um, wrong? Isaac Trumbull, six? Over a returning national champ? I, I just struggle with it. I, and, and I know Trumbull's good. I know he's dangerous. But, you know, I would have put... I would have put Sloan at six over Trumbull. He's only had two losses. One of them was to Rocky Elam. So let's I mean, start with Truax, okay? Truax is 13-1, and one, but he got pinned by Trumbull, okay? Okay. But he's beaten Jackson Smith, Michael Beard. That's it, Tanner Harvey. Okay. He won the conference. Yep. But he beat Nick Stem at seven six in the finals. Okay, I think the whole bracket's kind of goofy. Uh, I mean, that's I, where you got to start, right? Like, you can't deny that Nino's the one, right? No, I have no problems with Nino being number one. Okay, so that top half of the bracket is just nasty. I mean, you got Laird who beat you, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, you got Bronigal's had a really, really good year. You got, I mean, Beard's had a good year. You got Allred, who as of late is probably one of the best kids in the country at 97. You got Dean and you got Bastida, who to me is one of the scarier guys in this weight bracket, as good as he is on his feet. Had a terrible Big 12. I don't know what happened. Uh, Iowa State just did not wrestle the way I thought they might there. But, I mean, that's just nasty up there. I would not want to be on the top half. I, I think anybody on the bottom half should be happy as hell that they're there, David. Until they lose and they cross over into the top <laughs> half. That's gonna ha somebody's going to cross over into that nightmare. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Laird Bastida as the 413, Bronigal Beard as the 12-5, Allred Dean as the 8-9 are just unbelievably you know tough matchups. Yep. And Jackson Smith Trumbull's really interesting, the 11-6. Yeah. Okay. 285. Okay. I had somebody tell me before this came out that Wyatt Henderson was going to be the two and Colton Schultz was going to be the three. And I told that guy he had lost his mind. There's no way Colton Schultz could be the three because he lost to Lucas Davison. So he actually got seated ahead of Davis, and we'll get through this. Paris is the one. Orndorff, 16. Lucas Davis in nine. Sam Schuyler, eight. Colton Schultz, five. Colton McKiernan, 12. Tyrell Gordon, 13. Tony Cassiope, four. Kirkfleet, three. Nevels, 14. Hilger, 11. Slavikowski, six. Owen Treffen's a seven. Zach Elam is the 10. Grady Grease, I think I'm pronouncing that right, is the 15. Wyatt Hendrickson is the two. Go ahead, Mark. Uh, where do you start, David? Uh, conference champs, they must give that a lot of credit. I know Wyatt Hendrickson's a talented young man, built like a tree stump, uh, does all kinds of things, wrestles like a 125-pounder at times, it, and it doesn't seem to get him in trouble. I don't, you know, 
I think Greg should have been number three or number two, but they're on the same half of the bracket. I think Cassiope should have been three, but I don't mind seeing him at four. Uh, I understand. Should have been three over, not over Kirkley. You're saying no. should have been Kirk two, Cass three, Hendrickson yes. four. Yes. Okay. Just making sure people and, understand. And I have no problems with that. I think Cassiope at the four seat is probably as good a draw as he's going to get uh, because he struggles with, you know, actually Kirkfleet to me is probably the hardest guy for him to wrestle because he did wrestle, you know, the number one seed very close in the duel. He had to come back to do that, but he was able to do that. And him and Colton Schultz has kind of a, you know, they have a history with each other. So I, I, just, I have problems more with the six and the seven ranked guys when some of these other guys have had really good years and I think they're, they're just better wrestlers should have probably been down there. I personally think the top half's really tough when you got Paris is the one Lucas Davidson, who's an all American is the nine Colton Schultz. Who's a returning finalist to an Olympic champion is the five and Cassiope who's a perennial all American is the four. I'm not saying like, I just think those are, you know, that's a tough draw. Like Skylar Lucas Davidson's an interesting match. And uh uh Cassiope wrestles Colton Schultz really well as you've talked about. So yep. um okay, so the final team rankings are this is interesting on let me do this and stop sharing and then share a tab. Look at this real quick, and then we'll get out of here. By the way, it's Fantasy Wrestling Week. Go to fantasygrade.com. They got a gazillion contest over there. Okay, Penn State, 100. I'm rounding 106. Iowa, 73. Nebraska, 65. Cornell, 64. Missouri, 59. Iowa State, 56. No, now there's a little bit of a drop up. North Carolina, 49. Ohio State, 46. VTech, 42. ASU, 41. Michigan, 40. Those are your top 11. Yep. So, super interesting. Yeah, Iowa actually got bumped in the seeds because, like, Real Woods went from a two to a one. Penn State had Brooks drop from a one to a three. Uh, Kirkfleet, I think, was a two and dropped to a three. And uh, Max, they got a bump with Levi Haynes for sure. Yep. But Max took that bump away yeah. in the number nine. We're not saying any of these seeds are right or wrong. I'm just saying, like, in terms of how their points got redistributed. redistributed. Yeah. I mean, Penn State's got a number one at 57 and number two. I'm sorry, number one at 33 and number two at 57 and number six at 41. Um, let me start over in order. 33 is a 1, 41 is a 6, 57 is a 2, 74 is a 1, 84 is a 3, 97 is a 9, and uh, – Maybe it's a 3. Yeah. So, and Maxine might be the most likely 9 to place in the tournament. So, and the green is what they moved up from where they previously were, David? Yeah, like you see, like – NC State moved from nine to seven. BTEC dropped from six to nine. Arizona State moved from twelve to ten. But yeah. Okay. So Arizona I mean, State probably, and we talked about this off air. It's kind of the big surprise to me because they only qualified four five, kids for the five, five kids for the national tournament, and we would have never saw that happen. Right. Uh, and I know they had some injuries. And but I well, thought maybe one or two of those guys might get wild carded in, and they didn't get anybody wild carded in. So well, they they had three pretty bad injuries. So Norfleet has been banged up all year. He didn't get through. Although points wise, he's probably like a one or two point guy, which bumps him <coughs> up one spot. Jesse Vasquez is another guy that got hurt, would have bumped him up. Yasagiri wrestled, but lost to Cleveland Belton in the finals, so he didn't get through. And then the big one's obviously Teamer. And even if he ranked Teamer like fifth, that gives him 10 points, and that bumps him up to seventh behind Iowa State. Well, am I wrong? Wasn't 84 ranked fairly decent most of the year? 
Montalvo? Yes. We can look. I mean, I don't I don't think he was I thought he was in the top thirty for sure. So he was between sixteenth and twenty fourth all year. Okay, so well you would think a sixteenth ranked kid in the country would be at the national tournament. Well, he didn't wrestle well at the Pac twelves. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It was kind of shocking that they only got five in. I thought maybe they'd get six or, or seven in. So Yeah, I get all that, but I'm just saying, like, if you don't win, you don't win. That's just how the world goes, right? Yep. And it is what it is. Like, you got to figure out a way to get it done. And the other thing is, like, I talked to somebody who's part of that program, and like, well, this, this, and this. And I'm like, well, okay, but if you have a guy that's most likely going to go 0-2, 1-2, or 2-2, unless he's the biggest, unless he's Tanner Cook, it doesn't change a whole lot. Yeah. Like, you got to get the guys that are going to meddle. I mean, that's the difference. Yep. Agreed. And Montalvo's never placed. Norfleet's never placed. Vasquez never placed. Not saying they can't. Not saying they won't. Norfleet's done. But, you know, it's not like, oh, uh, I'm not going to even put it out there. But, like, hey, our third-place guy from a year ago, like, Brayton Lee. Brayton Lee's not yep. in the tournament. Agreed. I mean, I had picked Minnesota in the preseason to finish in the top four. Excuse me. And but I picked it based on I thought Gable was coming back and I thought Brayton Lee would would be good. Yep. You know, and they have 25 points. If you add Gable, they jump all the way up to eighth. Okay. And then if you say Brayton Lee is fourth or fifth, they jump up to third. Yeah. So I'm I mean, clearly I'm wrong. Okay. You know, but my logic for them, I don't think is wrong. So it anyway. should be a, it should be fun to play with these. Uh, I hope the listeners get into fantasy grade, enter yeah. some of the contests. It's a lot of fun. Um, and so there's we're an online live collection. auction, live auction yeah. on Wednesday night. Next Wednesday night, live auction in Tulsa. Go on the site, get signed up. There's nine spots left. The live or the online contest. I think it's big prize for first place. There's a charity contest where you can play and win prizes, and a portion of your money goes to whichever charity you pick. So a bunch of different ways to play. And then, you know, like there's like state contests like you and me playing the Missouri and Iowa ones, I think. So it just makes the tournament more fun to watch, you know, especially if you're a fan of a team that doesn't have, you know, 10 hammers there. So for GT, for Mark, I'm David. See you all next week.